This is the Extra Innings Podcast. We're going to Extra Innings. Like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down all the latest with the blue. Hosted by Dodger insider and award-winning reporter. You have one for most entertaining talk show host to listen to while on the way to work. David Vassett. Welcome to episode 10 of Extra Innings presented by Corona Extra. Find the fine line. Please drink responsibly. We have another great episode for you. Andre Ethier will be joining us shortly. I'm sure to gloat about his Phoenix Suns destroying the Lakers. And uh, yeah, he's been texting me a lot. So it was a, a hard game to swallow. Game five of that first round series for everybody in Los Angeles. But I guess when you're from Arizona and you stick with your hometown team, despite playing 12 years for the Dodgers, you got to respect that. So I'm sure Ethier will be gloating about his sons taking it to the Lakers. And I... Uh, Looks like I'm going to owe Rob Parker a pair of Jordan shoes. We had made a bet on the air that the Lakers would win the NBA championship. Of course, I made that bet, and Rob Parker took advantage of that. And if uh, whoever loses the bet, so if the Lakers don't win the championship, I have to buy Rob Parker a pair of $200 Air Jordans. So that's not something that I take lightly. I make radio money. I don't make TV money. So 200 bucks. that's a, a pretty big dent in my wallet, no doubt. And the reason why I was so confident that the Lakers would win the championship again is because of a NBA Hall of Famer that I really trust told me the Lakers are winning it again. And he told me this two weeks ago, even before LeBron and Anthony Davis came back. He told me if LeBron and Anthony Davis come back, they're probably going to win the championship again. Little did we know that Anthony Davis was going to come up with a groin injury. And I love that Charles Barkley called Anthony Davis street clothes because it feels like he is in street clothes more than he is in an NBA uniform. There's no doubt about it. But anyway... Ethier will come on. We'll talk about the Suns-Lakers series. Uh, Cody Bellinger has returned to the Dodgers lineup. It's been a little bit of a slow start. His first hit came after, what, 12 at-bats and eight strikeouts? So it's been a little bit of an adjustment for Cody Bellinger and Zach McKinstry, who at this point in time, as we record episode 10 of the podcast, does not have a hit yet, but... Those things will come, and especially as the Dodgers hit the road. And uh, I guess that leads me to the leadoff spot on why hitters are not hitting. Batting leadoff, host of the Extra Innings podcast, David Vasse. All right, so this is one of the things that I really love about having this podcast. I can dive deeper into different topics that are going on in the game of baseball. And one of them that I really haven't touched on deeply during Dodger talk shows is the dramatic increase of spin rates by pitchers. And I mentioned that Cody Bellinger and Zach McKinstry have struggled since coming back to the Dodgers. Well, a big reason is because of the spin rates that pitchers are throwing. 
If you watch a Major League Baseball game these days, you'll see a pitcher throw a fastball right down the middle, and a hitter will miss. And you'll be thinking to yourself, how did he miss that pitch? It was 95 miles an hour right down the middle of the plate, and he swung and missed. How did he do that? Well, the reason is the spin rates on four-seam fastballs these days are higher than they ever have been before. And it's a contributing factor to why batting averages are the lowest since World War II. I'm not arguing the point that hitters' approaches are not the best these days. I'll, I'll repeat what Oral Hershiser has told me in the hallways of the press box. He feels like it's four different reasons why offense has been so bad this year. Number one, the dead baseball. Major League Baseball made no secret about it that they have changed the baseball again. And I have never seen a sport change their ball as much as Major League Baseball has in the last five to seven years, including this season. So that's one of the factors. The other factor is spin rates. You, you can't deny that. And the substances that pitchers are using to create spin rate. Number three, hitters' approaches. Number four, the shifts. How many times have you seen a hard hit ball up the middle or in the six hole and it's an out? I could think of two by Albert Pujols. I can think of a Zach McKinstry, what would have been a base hit right up the middle, and it was an out. So I am in favor of creating an illegal defense in baseball. And I know everybody says, well, the hitters should adjust. Yeah, they should, but now with the advantage in the pitcher's court to try to hit these spin rates, it's even more difficult doing something like that going the other way. And who wants to see power hitters bunting up the third baseline because they're shifting hard to the right side? I don't think I want to see that on a consistent basis. I don't believe you want to see that on a consistent basis. So I am in favor of illegal defense and eliminating the shifts. I really believe that you should have two infielders on each side of second base and both feet have to be on the infield dirt. I feel like that's how you change it. And other sports have created different things to create more offense. The NBA has done that numerous times with illegal defense alterations. The NFL certainly has. Uh, no other sport has basically uh, pushed defense to the side for more offense, considering you can't touch a wide receiver past five yards and you barely can touch a quarterback these days. So the other sports have done it, but it's like the apocalypse when Major League Baseball does something that wants to increase more offense. So I'm all in favor of uh, the shifts uh, being eliminated in baseball. But here is the issue. Mike Schilt of the St. Louis Cardinals mentioned something over the Memorial Day weekend that when Joe West went to the mound and removed one of his pitcher's caps from his head because he thought there was a foreign substance on his hat. And it happened to be pine tar or rosin, something like that. They sent it to Major League Baseball in New York. Mike Schilt, after the game, said this. There are people that are effectively and not even trying to hide, essentially flipping the bird at the league with how they're cheating in this game with 
concocted substances. There are players that have been monetized for it. There are players that are obviously doing it, going to their glove. There's clear video of it. You could tell the pitchers that are doing it because they don't want to go to their, their mouth, which Geo does off the rubber. And understandably, and I know comfortably, Major League Baseball is, is trying their best to do it in a manner that doesn't create any black eye for the integrity of the game that we love. But speaking of integrity, how about the integrity of the guys that are doing it clean? How about the guys that are pitching their tails off in Major League Baseball and doing it clean that have an unfair competitive advantage for the guys that are clearly loading up with concoctions that they actually advertise, don't do anything to hide, even in plain view. That's the guys I'm speaking for. I'm speaking up for the hitters that have a living to make facing stuff that's already really, really good. And you can see based on spin rates, how guys' careers are jumping off the charts. The dirty little secret. That's right. The dirty little secret of Major League Baseball is the substances that pitchers are using now to get a better grip on the baseball. And I strongly encourage you to read Bob Nightingale's Sunday column with Theo Epstein, an extensive interview with Theo Epstein, who now works for Major League Baseball for the specific reason of making the sport more watchable and entertaining. And in the very first paragraph, here is what Nightingale wrote. Major League Baseball plans to seriously crack down on the rash of pitchers using illegal substances in the next two weeks, with umpires ordered to be vigilant in stopping pitchers from using foreign substances to dramatically improve their spin rate, even if it means embarrassing some of the biggest pitching stars in the game. Now, who could he have been talking about, or who could they have been alluding to? I know Trevor Bauer is public enemy number one. And what's so interesting about it is Bauer was the most outspoken against blowing the whistle against the Houston Astros when he suspected their pitchers to be using some illegal substance. And I feel like maybe Bauer decided, hey, if they're doing it, might as well join them and prove my point. And then once he proved his point, it was hard to stop using whatever he and the rest of Major League Baseball is using to create these spin rates. And I really believe it's unfair to point the finger at Trevor Bauer. I really do, because he's not the only one using it. And number one, they haven't proven that he's using anything. They haven't proven that. And they haven't proven that any other Major League pitcher has used any foreign substance. But Major League Baseball now is going to let teams know, I've been told, to cut it out. If your pitchers are using a foreign substance, cut it out. And my understanding is it may happen as soon as uh, next week. And when I say next week, June 9th, the week of June 9th, I've been told Major League Baseball is going to let every team, all 30 teams know, that umpires are going to be checking if there is a suspicion that something is going on with the gripping of the baseball that is more than just pine tar or rosin to get a better grip. And it is going to be very interesting to see in the middle of the season 
how that affects the landscape of the sport. And all of a sudden, are we going to start seeing offense again? If this really does happen, and I have been told by two separate sources, it is going to happen that Major League Baseball is going to notify all 30 teams if your pitchers are using some foreign substance to cut it out, stop it, or they will be checked. Umpires will be given the green light to check. And all of a sudden, we're going to say, man, the hitters have really made the adjustments now. Uh Uh-uh. It's a combination of things. And even though the pitchers may stop using whatever foreign substance Major League Baseball suspects them of using, the hitters have to change their approach. That's only one layer of it. So look out for that moving forward this season. And don't let it surprise you or keep you off guard. This is something that is not interesting to talk about, but in this on this podcast, it gives me the opportunity to let you know some of the stuff behind the game. And honestly, now, it's not a dirty little secret because in USA Today, a national newspaper, uh, in a column that is basically Theo Epstein speaking to Bob Nightingale, it's out in the open now. Mike Schilt started something, and I guess Joe West started something, but now it's coming to the forefront. It's coming to a head. So keep your eyes open for it, and don't be taken off guard if uh, somebody is checked. It, It should be interesting. It really should. So keep your eye on that moving forward. My favorite. Uh, thank you. I'm glad to see you're not wearing khakis. Your favorite. And not everyone holds themselves to a high physical standard around here, but... Uh, Probably not Vasse's favorite. I know no one listens to your show, so... <laughs> <laughs> How so, dare you? <laughs> Just kidding. DV is joined by Andre Ethier. All right, it is time now for our guy, the staple of the show, the centerpiece of every podcast of Extra Innings presented by Corona, the one and only Phoenix Suns Gorilla... A.K.A. Andre Ethier. Well, thanks for having me on. And uh, Gorilla is uh, very polite of you. Not what you were texting me last night after uh, game five there. but uh, Yeah, just leave me uh, alone when the Suns beat the Lakers by 30 points. I don't need you texting me. <laughs> hey, were you not texting me game two? I was. But, I mean, you laid on thick. You just come out of nowhere. Hey, I was excited. I was pumped. Had a few too many bourbons. Uh, you know, having a good time. Enjoyed it. Made my way back to Cali now. I'm, uh, kids are out of school. Uh, you know, here for the month. Uh, you know, down in Cali again. So uh, it's great. It's uh, and what a night. Uh, like I said, the Suns just needed to get one back in L.A. I know all you L.A. fans and Dodger fans and Lakers fans ain't gonna like to hear it, but. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, they need to get one and, and then a big game five there um, out of them. And obviously the Lakers were missing a, a key piece and the Suns were able to take advantage of it. Hey, everybody has seen you in L.A. with the Laker hat on. But I did say this at the beginning of this episode that we all respect the fact that you are from Phoenix, born and raised and still live there. How can you how can you hate on somebody that sticks with their hometown team? So. That's only that's the only hometown team I go for. And if you want to even feel better for yourself, my middle son, 
So my oldest boy, he likes the sun, but likes everything else L.A. My middle boy will refuse, who was born in L.A., who you know was raised in L.A. up until three years ago, um, refuses to give up. He wore his Lakers stuff to every game, with the first two home games there, and uh, you know in, in Phoenix. Um, last night had his Lakers hat on, and it goes back and forth between my two older boys. They uh, have been going uh, pretty hard. Even where we almost had a fist fight uh, <laughs> before game game five of who was going to win, and because uh, my oldest one was uh, Drayson was teasing uh, Rhett that Anthony Davis wasn't going to be the lineup, and so we almost had blows Ooh. come before the game. Uh, and uh, yeah, so he's he's not giving up. He's an LA fan through and through. He has his LA, all his Lakers jerseys. Uh, you know, I wish I wish the Lakers the best when they're not playing the Suns. Hey Dre, have you ever given your two older boys boxing gloves and just let them go at it? Yeah, uh, my uh, mo- mother thought that was a wise idea two years ago for Christmas, <laughs> and I would say by the end of Christmas Day, those boxing gloves were. Uh, thrown away in the trash by my wife. So, uh, yeah, we, she thought it was a wise idea. Um, That's old school, man. Maybe, Let the brothers duke it out. Yeah, right. Um, I, you, and nowadays, if you do that, you'll probably get slapped with some type of child endangerment or some other thing so you can't even <laughs> let that happen anymore. You got more PC, more PC like you hate, right? That's right. I do not agree with PC. I, I tell my I tell my kids, hey, life is tough. Suck it up. Don't be so soft. Yeah, yeah, right. I have to catch myself doing that all the time. But uh, you know, it's 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 fun. Um, you know, fun fun time of year. Dodger baseball starting to hit another good stride again. Uh, great doing that, and then playoff basketball. Uh, you know what a what a time, and this series just really got interesting. Like I said, I knew it was going to be a game seven, Dave. I knew it was going to be a game seven, game six. Uh, I think uh, the, the Suns definitely have a chance if Anthony Davis is still out. Um, but, you know, we know, hey, it's tough to play at Staples Center against those Lakers. I think the Suns have enough to get it done. But, um, you know, looking forward to see where this goes after uh, tomorrow. But even more excited to talk about our Dodgers because my boy CB is back in the lineup. Uh, back in there starting to get his uh, stride going again, and I think you're excited as I am to see him join this team again. Yeah, I love Cody Bellinger, Dre. It's just so cool to see him have the success he's had over the course of his career, winning a World Series, winning an MVP, winning a Rookie of the Year, and he's still the same guy that showed up in the clubhouse that you were sitting next to. I I think that's the best part about Cody Bellinger, that he's still the same guy. Yeah, and that's 100%. That's why it's easy for me to be a big fan of his, and and I can still text him and, you know, have little comments, have little stuff to him. He still always has the same reply, never too busy, never too big to return anything. And um, I think he's going to be a key here, especially in the stretch where, you know, there's a couple question marks with that offense and, you know, defense. Uh, you know, a couple guys banged up. Obviously, we know Mookie's been struggling with a few things, and, when you can add uh, Cody to that, you know, back in there, uh, when you're missing Seager, uh, it's going to be a big boost to this lineup. And, you know, a uh, big kudos to all those guys who've been carrying this thing along. I mean, two weeks ago, we were sitting there, uh, you know, and, and rightfully so, right? People were coming down, you know, is this it? You know, what are we going to do? It's a long season. You look up, 
uh, and, you know, into summer's happening and it's, in, you know, end of August, starting to begin of September, there's still 30, 40 games to go. And we were all, you know, questioning ourselves, I guess, rightfully and, and worrying and panicking where this team would be at. And you look now, fast forward uh, two weeks later and, you know, winning what, I don't know, what is it, 12 out of 14 or 12 out of 15 or something like that in the last two weeks span and, uh, you know, back on track and, um, you know, they're, they're doing the right thing still. It's amazing that they haven't had the people that we knew, you know, all, all, the entire team together other than a couple of games at the beginning of the year, and they're still sitting here in a, in a good spot, in a good position. All right. You led me into maybe the biggest question that we all have. Maybe you could be our baseball season compass because I don't really start to look at the standings until now, June 1st or after June 1st. But when do baseball players start to say, you know what, it's not early anymore? Because right now you got a three-team race in the NL West between the Giants, the Padres, and the Dodgers. When is it not early anymore, and when do players start to say, you know what, it's time to, time to have a little bit more urgency for this long marathon? Well, I don't think I, and I'll, so I'll say first June fifteenth. It's like it's right around the middle of June. Really, you look up and it's and it's like it, you look up and the All Star games, you know, less than a month or All Star breaks less than a month away. So, you know, team wise, you're like okay, you start to sit there and calculate where you're at. It's still it's still really early to be like, you know, if you're not too far out or not too far ahead to to kind of see. And then personally, you're you know you're trying to make sure your stats and where you you know, have been or where you want to be or still trending in the right direction. So June 15th, like a good compass to know that, Hey, it's not early more, you know, Hey, April, we want to get off to a good start personally, team wise. Cause if you get off to a good start, there's no panic. There's no rush to try to make up for lost games or make up for anything that you're trying to do, you know, individually. Uh, May is kind of just like, you know, Hey, all right, the season settled in, we're going, um, you know, trying to get your, the feel of how you're going to, you know, do everything every day. And then June looks up and you're like, all right, this season's, you know, starting to look like it's halfway over. Then all of a sudden you look up, it's June 30th and all-star breaks right around the corner, half, you know, season's halfway over. And you're starting to realize, Hey, uh, after this all-star break, it's time to start really getting going. Um, Got to put the, you know, the pedal down and and make sure, uh, you know, team wise, you're in a spot to, if you're behind to make a run and to be, you know, in strike conditions, or if you're ahead, uh, you have all your, you know, your team in, in the right position to keep moving forward and make sure you can hold off, you know, anyone who's behind you. And this is a division that has two teams that are right behind, you know, the Dodgers are right in front of the Dodgers, you know, back and forth. Now a three horse race where um, you're going to look up here and going into June one, to be able to use that all-star break as a time to get guys a little bit more healthy for that late season push. Yeah. I was wondering how you believe the Dodgers should handle this because I, as I'm asking you these questions, I'm always reminded about 2013 and what that team did to make to have an incredible run uh, late in July. But this season's a little bit different. The gap has been closed by the Padres and some people believe by the Giants as well. So how should the Dodgers handle the rest of the season, Dre? Do you do you consider changing the plan because all of a sudden you're in a pennant race and you're not running away with it by nine games right now? No, I, it's way too early to abandon that plan because I think the plan has kind of gone 
haywire and astray because of some injuries and, you know, some guys being knocked up and not, guys not performing the way, you know, the way they're capable of doing. But one reoccurring thing, whether it was Joe Torrey, whether it was uh, Don Matley, whether it was Dave Roberts, whether it was Andrew Freeman, whether it was, you know, Ned Cleddy, they always – one thing to all those guys who ran this team or, in front, you know, let the numbers – take care of himself, you know, especially guys with trend lines and guys who have history, you know, they have accumulation of those numbers. And they have an average of those numbers over the course of those years for a reason. So, you know, the laws of average, those numbers should represent themselves, whether they're having a slow start, you know, that hot second half is probably going to be on its way because those average trend lines that those guys have are going to always be around the same if there's nothing of a basis to go off. of. So this team filled with veteran guys, I believe has enough of a basis to rely on, you know what, for the most part, they're going to be there, whether after a slow start or whether they're, you know, injured, banged up. If you give them the time and give them those games, which are still four months of games left, they have enough time to make up. And, and those basis, those trend lines, those, you know, numbers they have are still better than most of the options you have and most of the other ones that you're playing against out there. Hey, Dre, uh, you know, I have to bring this to your attention. Albert Pujols has had a huge effect on a lot of guys in that clubhouse. I was talking to Matt Beatty the other day, and he said Albert is so approachable to talk hitting. He's not waiting for anybody to come up to him. He's offering ideas and listening to ideas. I was curious when Greg Maddox came to the Dodgers, uh, did he have that same type of effect on the pitchers? And does that remind you of the way you talked about Manny Ramirez when he got traded to the Dodgers? I mean, yeah, I, I, Greg Maddox was one of the most approachable, you know, veteran Hall of Fame, you know, Pulse is, you know, first ball Hall of Fame. So is Greg Maddox, you know, those guys like that, which you assume as a young player, and they're so established, it's been so long, and they, you know, they kind of have this stern look on their face and gruff about them when they're out there playing. You know, they smile, they enjoy it, but, you know, they take the game very seriously and rightfully so. But when you're in the locker room and you're around those guys, yes, Greg Maddox, so approachable. I can remember, you know, Kirsch and a lot of the younger guys always go up and talk to him. And, he, and even Greg come up and talk to me and joking around, you know, just about the everyday goings of, of the monotony of playing and, you know, making fun of some of the things that baseball players do and, and, you know, the things that bother them and even asking you about hitting stuff and, uh, you know, ask, you know, recalling an at bat I had against them, uh, you know, when he was pitching their Atlanta and, and asking what I was thinking of in that situation, uh, you know, just all kinds of stuff like that. And even at bats going on. So yeah, he was constantly studying and analyzing the game and had little things to add that he believed could help you, whether it was, mechanical game wise or just beliefs can help you to clear your mind and, and refocus on what's going on because uh, you know, like we just kind of laid out here. This is a long year from, you know, April one to September 30, October 1st or whatever it is. Um, and, you know, it even goes beyond that with spring training. It, it's so long. You look up and uh, you know, you, you just start treading water sometimes rather than realizing to take a step back and focus on what's going on at hand and, and just really concentrating on those games you have in front of you, those at-bats you have in front of you. And uh, I, I'm glad, you know, really happy the Dodgers went out and got Albert for that fact that he's going to allow, um, you know, that expertise of having a veteran guy who's been there, seen it, done it all, and can be the guy that kind of just 
you know, isn't just caught up in himself and caught up in the, in the moment. He can also be a guy who lends his, you know, lends his ear and lends some, uh, you know, advice to those guys. And that's what I've here been going on. That's great. Hey, Dre, when you were talking about Maddox and you had this perception about him, I had heard, I've heard interviews with Glavin and Chipper Jones. They all say that he was uh, one of those uh, dry sense of humors, to put it nicely. He kind of had uh, a dark sense of humor and it would uh, catch you off guard. Did you ever get a glimpse of that side of Maddox and did that take you oh, off yeah. guard? Oh, yeah, all the time. All the time. Yeah. <laughs> That was just how he was. At first, he kind of, you know, was this guy being serious or is he being funny? Um, you know, with the half half smile on his face, and you don't know if it was, you know, trying to get you. But yeah, he was uh, very approachable in those ways. But yes, very dark, very, uh, you know, slight sense of humor on him. But it was entertaining, and he did it in a way that, um, you know, you know, he's messing with you. If he was messing with you, and you knew, you know, he was liking you, and and uh, you know you're part of the team and part of, uh, you know, what he had going on. So that was always, you know, great to have that interaction with guys like that. You know, when you're playing with these, these veterans who are, uh, you know, you look at our kid, Will Smith there. I mean, this guy grew up idolizing and wanting to be like Albert Pujols and he's getting a chance to play with him on the same team. And, uh, you know, uh, you're probably at odds and, you know, feeling weird of how do I approach that and how do I even address that and it's nice when these guys come up and break the ice for you and let you know that you're you know you're you're their teammate rather than just uh you know some young kid looking up to a guy you idolized when you, you know when you were young did you ever have that feeling when uh when Manny or Maddox came on the team did you ever have that oh, type well, I, of I, vulnerability I, 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 I remember watching um, Greg Maddox in the World Series, you know, series there with the with the Braves when I was younger, and and all of a sudden, you know, it was Tom Glavin too. I mean, are you kidding me? I remember the first time we played Atlanta Braves in Atlanta there, and I'm facing Glavin and and Matt, I'm Maddox. I'm like, what is this? What is going on? You know, I'm living a dream. And then, you know, I told you know I've told my great Ken Griffey Jr. story. Uh, you know, Barry Bonds. Um, you know, going to Arizona State and. Uh, seeing Barry, you know, Barry Bonds' retired number up on the wall and, you know, watching him through all those years in San Francisco as a kid. And um, all of a sudden I look up and he's standing across the field from me, you know, from college, you know, looking at his retired number on the wall to playing against him in the big leagues and him coming up and saying hi to you and, uh, you know, asking you, and hey, aren't you, uh, you know, one of those Arizona State kids too? And, you know, what, you know, sends chills through your body, to, you know, let you, you know, know that he actually knows who you are and, and recognize, you know, that you came from the same school he did. And now you're playing on the same big league field as him. And, uh, you know, it's uh, pretty special to have those guys, you know, recognize you and be on the same field as them. And now the Dodgers get a chance to have one of those in the, in the clubhouse and locker room with them. And there's, a, you know, a lot of good young players in there who, you know, Barry Bonds was before them. You know, Ken Griffey was before them. This is their Barry Bonds and Ken Griffey now. You know, Albert Pujols is, and you're getting a chance to have him be in the locker room with you and share all this stuff. I mean, what an experience and uh, what a, a, a probably a career-changing opportunity a lot of these guys have from uh, the, the tutelage these guys are going to get from Albert and, you know, however long he's going to be here with the team. 
So true. The Albert effect has already taken shape, and hopefully some of his at-bats are rubbing off on the rest of the team because he's not swinging for the fences every time up. He's reading the situation, and if there needs to be a run driven in, he's going to find a way to do it even without a home run. Dave, I think you pointed out perfect. I think that's the biggest difference between four weeks ago and now starting two weeks ago. The team, I feel like a lot better contact. Uh, you know, guys situational hitting a little bit better. No more, you know, still big swings, but not just, you know, one through nine swinging to try to put a ball out the whole time. I mean, you see a lot more, uh, you know, approaches on guys going, you know, balls the other way, uh, you know, line drives. I think the biggest one I'm going to point out right now that I see is, uh, Gavin Lux, I mean, from being just a dead pull hitter to using the middle of the field a lot more, I think you can see his bat path staying in the zone a little bit better and driving the ball up the middle has allowed him to even increase his power numbers. Um, you, you would I, love I Gavin Lux. That the same way. I don't know how well you know him, but you would love Gavin Lux. He's a great kid and an easy guy to root for. Do you see that the same way? Like a little bit better contact up the middle now and, and, and instead of that just pull down the line, uh, swing, he's driving the ball up the middle, and you see a little bit better balls hit up in the air and, and, and a few more home runs happening now. Yeah, it felt like he was just trying to make contact, but now he's trying to drive the ball like we heard he could do in the minor leagues. Yeah, drive it up the middle. You know, sometimes you get when you get too pull and you want to get quick, you know, to that pull side, you get in and out of the zone too quick, and he's starting to, you know, really, really get that barrel through the zone well and, and keeping it through the zone, I think, just a tad longer where he's running into more balls and doing it with a little bit more, you know, umph behind it. And I think that's a difference you see is, uh, um, you know, especially for him, I, I can point out for, you know, for him. And then, of course, our guy, uh, CT there, uh, really picking up where, you know, we have some some missing, you know, offense in the lineup. He's really starting to pick it up and, and getting that groove again. Hey, is Chris Taylor the most unique player on the Dodgers? I know there's some great players on the team, but is he the most unique player on the team? Yeah, and he's been that way, I think, since he came up in, you know, 16, 17 there. He's been one of the most unique. He can do it all, kind of, uh, you know, one of those unorthodox-looking stance, you know, bat wiggle up at the box, but just figures out a way every time to get a great quality swing through the zone and make hard contact, and he keeps doing it over and over. And then uh, jack-of-all-trades, you know, out on defense can play, you know, all three alpha positions and all four infield positions. Anytime you need it, he could fill in. And I bet he could probably pitch and catch pretty well too, because he seems to do everything else really well. So <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, he, he's a, he's going to be a guy who this team's going to have to make some tough decisions on, 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 you know, having to keep him next year and not letting him go because he just uh, isn't a guy you see at the top, right? If you, if you name your top five favorite, five favorite Dodgers, you probably pull everyone probably not going to have CT named too many times because there's so many great, you know, the Bellingers, the, the, the Mookie Betts, the, you know, Justin Turner's, the, the Bueller's, the Kershaw's. There's so many guys you can name that are your top five players. I think CT, uh, if you're naming, if you're asking uh, a GM and you're asking a manager out in baseball, I bet they're naming CT as their top five favorite players just because of, and that's not a knock against anyone else, right? I think that's just what he can do and add to a team. Yeah, Dave Roberts, whenever he's asked about Taylor, his smile gets bigger than I see it ever talking about any other player on his team. So you're right. 
Chris Taylor's right. invaluable. I mean, how, many, how, many, how many people would say that a night, you know, Chris Taylor's my favorite player? I, I would say one in five. How about that? Yeah. Be, because right. some so fans maybe, do like maybe, him. Maybe sneaks into the top five. Did you catch his at bat the other night? 14 pitch at bat, nine foul I balls. Was wa- I was watching it. Yeah, I was watching it and it drives the ball in the right center gap. And, uh, you know, what in that bat? Game changing, game changing, game winning at, at bat. Yeah, I, I you know, there have been other at bats that have gone that long this season, but I bet none of them have come up in that type of situation. Bases loaded, two outs in a tied game. Well, and the momentum was even at that point. It was really kind of zapped, and you know, the and he came up and grinded at it, batted away, and you can see how it just changes the momentum of of the game, and it did it. And one at bat, fourteen pitches later, um, and then what comes up the next inning, and the, and their bullpen was defeated and gives up, uh, you know, a, a game securing home run. So you can see, you know, when you have at bats and guys start, you know really working on the situational approach and, and whatever, like you said, you know, uh, Albert's trying to do, you know, not just trying to hit homers. Sometimes it's a ground ball up the middle for a base hit. That's the best in that situation. You have those, you grind that out and it grinds that other team and uh, down and uh, it leads to game winning hits sometimes, you know, mid game right there. Yeah, no doubt. Chris Taylor, very valuable. And people are shocked when I tell them, He's a free agent at the end of the season. Everybody keeps asking me, when's he a free agent? Next year, the year after? And when I tell nope. them Chris Taylor's a free agent at the end of this season, they're like, oh, my gosh. They get really yeah, scared. Right. right? Big decisions. This team has big decisions to make with a guy like that because rightfully so, he's going to be a well-compensated and hot commodity out there because we're, we're getting to see it live and people are going to start paying attention even more once that – comes out that he's a free agent you can see what he adds value wise to a team and what type of player he is because he's a he's a great he's not a everyday you know starter per se when you look around the league but he could be he should be and he deserves it all right dre another great appearance on the podcast i'm really happy we could do this i know the fans love hearing your perspective on what's going on with the dodgers these days so enjoy your vacation with the family in the greatest state in america beautiful california it's not a vacation it's our second home remember that always will be our second home (laughs) california i love it more than anything um, still working on, still working on convincing my wife to to move back here one day, and, and who knows, right? With the sixty nine degree weather, why not? You know what? She actually contacted me, and she thinks that's a great idea. But she said she'll move here, and you stay in Arizona. <laughs> you would like that, right? Your phone calls are better for you, not business. <laughs> Thanks, Dre. Yeah, thank you. There he goes, Andre Ethier, and it is really pretty special to have him call in every week and be part of this uh, Extra Innings podcast presented by Corona. All right, before we wrap up Episode 10 of Extra Innings presented by Corona, here is your stat of the week. As we get set for All-Star voting to begin, do you know that the last starting first baseman in the All-Star game for the Dodgers was Steve Garvey back in 1980 when the game was last played at Dodger Stadium. And the reason why I bring that up is I'm a big advocate that Max Muncy 
should be in the All-Star game this year, and I don't feel like any other Dodger position player has as strong of a case as Muncie does. So that's why the stat of the week is Steve Garvey, the last starting first baseman for the Dodgers in an All-Star game back in 1980. Thanks to Colin Yee for helping us with the podcast again this week, and thanks to you for listening. We will talk to you on Dodger Talk coming up after every single game on Dodgers Radio, AM 570 LA Sports. Have a great week. See ya. We don't have to do anything extra. They've made a choice. This has been the Extra Innings Podcast. Extra Dodger content for Dodger fans who can't get enough of the blue. Like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't miss a single Dodger game at AM 570 LA Sports on the iHeartRadio app.